It's uh, awesome for us to be here with you guys. Uh, my wife uh, and kids are here with us. Uh, part of the reason we're in California is this coming Saturday, our oldest daughter is getting married. Uh, some of you all knew her when she was a little girl. She grew up here in this region, and uh, now she's going to be walked by her dad this Saturday. So I ask for your prayers that Saturday I don't lose it. <laughs> You know what I mean. I'm a Latin dad. She said, Dad, you're just going to be a dad. Not a minister that day, just a dad. And at first I said, no, 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 wait a second. But then I thought, you know, that's really good. Because all I have to do is walk, hand her over, pray, and sit. That's a good thing. My goal is him. You know, I've been thinking about this for quite a bit for what our vision was for 2015 in our ministry. And you know, you come up with all different kinds of ideas and you think of a new year starting, you think of all the goals that you can have. And I don't know what goals you've had in your life. You know, we go through different life cycles, right? And different goals. I'll share with you some of my goals growing up. When uh, I was born in Colombia and then we moved to Argentina. This was many years ago. Back in the day when elevators had somebody operating them. That's a long time ago. And so when I moved to Argentina, we got to this really fancy hotel. And in the hotel, there was an elevator operator. And so at that point, my goal in life was, I want to become an elevator operator. That's a really ambitious goal, you know what I mean? You go up, but you come down. Life went on, and my dad traveled a lot, and so uh, every time he traveled, he'd come back with a gift for each one of the kids. And so honestly, more than missing him when he went away, I was always, where's the gift? And so a little beyond an elevator operator, I started dreaming, you know, and you start seeing comic books, and Batman became the thing. And so I really wanted to become Batman. And so one day, Dad comes home from a trip, and he brings a gift to each one. There's five kids. I'm the youngest. And he goes one by one by one, and I'm on the edge of my seat, getting closer and closer. And he gets to me, and he says, oh, I forgot. Let's start bawling. It wasn't so much, welcome, Dad. It was, where's my gift, Dad? But he said, nah, just kidding. Because then he went into his suitcase and he pulled out a Batman cape and a Batman, what do you call those? Mask. Thank you. I need my kids to translate for me. But this mask was huge. It fit. My whole head fit in. Actually, two heads of mine fit in it. And I got a big head. And so I'd have to move it from side to side so that I could see through. But I was thrilled because my goal in life at that point was Batman. You know, life passed on a little bit more. And growing up in Argentina, soccer is life. If you don't play soccer, they question your manhood even. And so I heard of Pelé. And so my goal in life became to become a soccer player. 
something I never really accomplished, but anyway. Then later on, you know, you get a little older and you think, okay, that's not going to pay bills. And so I thought, okay, my dad's an engineer, I'll become an engineer. My wife always told me when I went to college, you shouldn't have become an engineer because that's really not your calling at all, and it's true. But sometimes you do, and you establish goals because of other people and not necessarily because of yourself. Somewhere along the way, I decided, you know what, I'd be better off as an executive. And so I, started, I got the privilege of uh, working for IBM, and I thought, this was it. What a blast. And it really was a blast. I had so much fun working in the corporate world. If you had asked me if my goal in life would be to become a minister, that would be the furthest thing in life I would have been all along in my life. But the point is, God has his goals for your life. And when you start giving yourself over to him, then the little goals of Batman, the little goal of a soccer player, the other goals kind of go to the side. Other goals I had in life were to get married. And God responded to that goal because I got to marry my high school sweetheart. Another goal was to have children. I have three of them, and they're amazing, and I'm very grateful for them. But you know, one goal that I never thought I'd have and that is going to get accomplished this week was a father-in-law. I mean, you think of being a father, and you might even think of being a grandfather, but a father-in-law, you never think of that one. And so that's, this past few weeks, I've gotten the chance to get to know more my future son-in-law. And it's been a blast. And I'm very grateful to God that he's a disciple of Christ, because that really fills your heart when you have the confidence that, you know what, his goal and my goal are the same, so amen, we're at peace. So a new goal is that I will be a father-in-law. But really, above all those goals, the number one goal in my life, Maybe you're starting out this year going, I want to lose weight. Maybe I want to gain weight. Maybe I want to, whatever. I want to put it into your heart that the number one goal for everybody here is him. That's why we're here. It's to get to know him. It's to become like him. It's to fulfill what God had in mind for each one of us. We're going to talk first about a man who... Um, got to know Jesus in a very odd way. He used to persecute him. His name is Paul. Paul's life goal in his mind was to please God. But in his quest to please God, he thought the Christians were evil people, that Christianity was so wrong. And so he devoted his life to killing Christians. It's amazing if you think about it from God's perspective that a man that would dedicate himself to killing Christians, he would call him out and draw him to him. The scriptures say those who say they live in God should live, as their, live their lives as Jesus did. In other words, for our goal to be him. Paul, we'll get to know, but prior to getting to know Paul, you think about these two men. Who can name these two guys? Bill Gates, Carlos Slim, two wealthiest men in the world. They're each worth $81 billion. 
I'd say when I was a teenager, my goal would have been to become one of these guys. But you know, truly today, that's not my goal. Who could name the guy with the big hands? Hussein Bolt. Hussein, thank you. I, I always mispronounce it. Fastest man in the world. But that's not my goal. Maybe it's your goal. But the truth is most of us won't accomplish that goal. The other guy, well, I respect him for what he's doing, but I'll never do that either because I'd be too scared to do that. Is my goal him? What does this have to do with the sermon? I just love putting little kids in the sermon. No, but there is actually a, an analogy here. Some of us live through our kids. And our goal can become to have a superstar. You know, having a baby that can do one-handed push-ups, if that's your life goal, well, go to it, buddy. Or having a little guy that can, you know, break his blocks. And we can laugh at this, but the reality is sometimes we get so wrapped up in other people that we miss out what God really meant for our goals to be. The reality is this one needs to be our goal. And what do I mean? On the left is a picture of his baptism, the moment when God himself stopped being silent and spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And if God really did that, it's worthwhile for you and I to seek him out and listen to him. I always think of the example of him on the right because it's so opposite to what by nature I would do. A man that would devote three years of his life to men that would one day all disappoint him, all leave him, that would love them to an extent that no one would know what he knew, that one of them would betray him to the point of death. And can you imagine that day knowing he's going to be betrayed to wash the hands, wash the feet of the guy that's going to give him up for death? That is so far from my natural nature. But our goal needs to be him. And so now let's talk about Paul. Paul runs into Jesus, but not Jesus alive, Jesus resurrected. And when he runs into Jesus resurrected, his life gets turned upside down. Gets turned upside down that if you'll join me in Philippians chapter 3, we'll hear Paul's heart about what his goals in life had become. And the idea of you becoming a Christian, the idea of you getting closer to God, it will be for every one of us, regardless of our background, regardless of where we are, an upside-down situation where our lives are going to get turned around radically, just like Paul's, if we really get this goal. Paul says there in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, "...but whatever gains to me I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ." What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. 
He had a new goal. He wanted to know. He wanted to know Jesus Christ, even though he had resurrected. He says, I consider these things in the past. He had been a very successful man. He says, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He said, and notice the passion inside of him. Hey, Paul, what's your goal? I want to know Christ. Yes, I know the power of his resurrection, and here's the reason why this had become his goal. And the reason I want to challenge you in considering what are your goals in life. If the resurrection is true, everything in life changes. If the resurrection is true, Bill Gates and I, you know what? At the end of the day, one day, he will face judgment, and so will I. And there will be a resurrection. And the $80 billion won't be enough to walk in. If the resurrection is true, I'm richer than Carlos Slim. If my goal is Christ. If the resurrection is true, then he's worth finding out about. And so Paul says, I want to participate in his suffering. That seems weird. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, for Paul, life had gotten turned upside down because it became more important what happens after death, not before death. It says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. You see, you hear his passion towards this? There's a goal ahead in front of him. He says, but one thing I do. And as you look at 2014 and now you look at 2015, I want to encourage you with these words. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, Christianity is a goal-oriented faith. It is oriented around one and one simple goal, resurrection. That's it. It's if we really believe there's a God, and if we really believe Jesus came to the earth, and we really believe he lived a life that was perfect, and we believe that he died and resurrected from the dead, then that changes everything. And as a result, then, our goal becomes single-minded. And so then there's a spirit of we press on towards it. And at times, in America, we get sold to Christianity that is all about here and now, about relationships being here and now, about prosperity here and now, about blessings here and now. And at times we can get disillusioned because along the way we go, that's not happening in my life. You know, that was not really his plan. Even though I do believe he really does want to bless your life and my life. He's talking about something way, 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 way greater than life on earth. You know, if we look at it from perspective of eternity, 
life on earth is like, bloop, and that's it. It's gone. And so today, I want to ask you to really join me in pressing on. You know, but pressing on doesn't need to be, I press on with a burden. But it can be with a great deal of joy, with a great deal of zeal, with a great deal of passion because you understand something is so worthwhile down the road. And so my goal is him. If you'll join me in Matthew, we're going to talk a bit about Jesus and who is he really like? What is he really like? And I want to encourage you to read through the Gospels with a passion to say, I want to know him. I want to know so that I can really define him to be my goal. Our congregation back in Boston is on a conviction to read the Bible in a year. And so we started with Genesis and Exodus the last month, and beginning January 1, all of us are reading Matthew 1. You know what? When you read it together, there's this passion about, wow, the things you find that prior to that you've read, and it just, you go, wow, this is, it's like reading it anew. I've been reading this book for 31 years, and it's coming alive to me in a very special way. So we're going to talk about his focus, his food, his views, his purpose, and his attitude. And my encouragement to you is grab one of these. That you look at your own goals, and you look at his, and you go, what? In this one, I'm really far from him. And decide that one I'm going to grab a hold of in 2015, all right? So here we go, Matthew, chapter 3, his focus. This is when Jesus begins his ministry. And if we're going to learn to, if he's going to be our goal, we've got to find out how did he walk and what did he focus on. In Matthew 3, verse 13, he says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. A kind of odd thing because Jesus was perfect, right? It says, But John tried to talk him out of it. Ever have somebody try to talk you out of something good? His second cousin is trying to talk him out of something. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. I want you to focus on that. It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. From the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the last words on the cross, his number one focus was... what God requires. The last words, he says, it's finished. What's finished? I finished fulfilling what God requires. That was his total focus. You know, if he is going to be really my goal, then it's not going to be about what does my dad require? What does my mom require? What do the friends require? But what does God require? You know, we live in a culture that easily waters down God's convictions. We find that even about baptism, right? Culturally, it's just the thing that people do. But we look in the Scriptures, and God's very specific that He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because He requires it. I'm not going to fight Him on it. Jesus didn't fight him on him. I'm not going to fight him on him, amen? 
And so our spirit needs to be, well, if he requires it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to negotiate. I'm not going to water it down. John was trying to be the one changing the thing. Jesus was the one saying, no, we're going to do what God requires. If we're Jesus' followers, we got to also decide to have that same focus. What does God require? Not does, what does society require from me? His focus, that we may carry out all that God requires. Second, his food. You know, we, uh, one of the highlights for coming back to California was bringing Adrian back to California. He hasn't been here in a few years. In and out. He was like, when do we get it? When do we get it? You know, he runs like crazy all the time because he's a, a runner for, uh, for his college. And yeah, he's been very careful about what he eats. But when it comes to in and out, all that goes out the window. Because this is food that he deeply loves and that is not available in Boston. What's your food? What really gets you going? I'm going to ask for a volunteer. Mike said he'd be willing to, but I don't know if any one of the other young men would be more willing to than Mike. Anybody? Who's getting out? Are you willing to? Come on up. A brave man. And we're going to give him options on food. Now, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Isaiah. He's Isaiah. I knew him when he was tiny. That's Isaiah. <laughs> All right. You get three options, Isaiah. This one, as you can see, is fruit. Now, most Californians would go, this is awesome. This is healthy food, right? Now, he has two other options. One's in a box. One's in a bag. Uh, would you rather eat this, or you want to figure out what's in here or here? He'd go with the fruit. Anybody encourage him to go with the others? What do you think? The box? All right. Carlos Fuentes, I heard, saying the box. So we'll have him come up. Go ahead, on up. And Isaiah, you can grab the fruit. Don't eat it yet. For Carlos, because he asked for that, he has dog food. Where are you going? No, no, no. There's a fork somewhere here. There you go. What do you guys think? Should we or not? Yeah? No? All right, we won't do it. Oh, will you? No, 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 we'll let him go. We'll let him go. Go ahead and sit down. You can have a bite of your fruit. Choose one. Now, there's a point to this. Go ahead. You can sit down. Oops. My food. The third option. Huh? You want to know what's in the bag? It's cat food. Don't tell the Spanish ministry because I'm doing this for them too as well. My food. I think sometimes 
we're willing to go for the cat food. We're even willing to go for the dog food. Because the healthy food, eh, it's not so appealing. Spiritually, I think we do the same thing. God tells us here what Jesus' food is. Be kind of humble of us to find out, well, if my goal is him, I should have the same kind of desire of food, right? The devil comes and says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become breads of loaf. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. My goal is him. If so, then I've got to have an appetite for not just a little bit of his word, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, there's something amazing in this book. I've never read one book in my life so many times. I've read the Bible at least 31 times, over and over again. Why? Because I can never get enough of it. Kelly makes fun of me that I, I go back to Matthew and I'm like, look at this, it's so exciting. And it's like, really, again? But it is, because I find treasures about what life is about, about what character is about, about what God has designed for us. But today, are you settling for dog food? Just getting fed? Maybe TV? Maybe entertainment? Whatever just appeases your hunger for a little while but missing out on the banquet that God has set up for you. I really want to put it into your hearts that you'll decide 2015 is the year I'm going to feed myself. I'm going to have a banquet of food. You know, you see Jacob Ardron, the guy is like built. But now he's like, Ooh, it's a V. That didn't come just by donuts and, you know, there's some healthy food in that. Spiritually, are you cut? Are you built? Or is it just snacks and donuts? Please, make 2015 a year that you decide my food is going to be his food. I'm going to have banquets like he has banquets. Live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you read later on in the chapter there, Satan even has a debate with Jesus using the Scriptures. And it's a challenge to us to know who knows them better, him or us. His views. In Matthew 4, first time Jesus preaches... He says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent for your sin, of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, if we are going to make him the goal of our lives, there's going to be repentance. That means a change. That means a radical worldview. Our worldview prior to Christianity is all about self, right? It's I am the center. I am the king. You know what? It just doesn't work. Ask any husband and wife team. When the husband thinks he's always the king, 
even 90% of the time, after a while, it gets really obvious there's an issue in the house. Ask a parent. When the kid thinks, I'm the king of life, it gets really heavy after a little while. All of us at some point have to figure out there is a king and it's not us. And our worldview has to change. And then we have the opportunity to decide, I'm going to grab his view of him being king and my being a servant in his kingdom. So change your ways. There's a king to serve. And his purpose. You know, Matthew 4, a little later, Jesus calls them out and says, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and he followed him. You know, I'll never grow tired of this. We're disciples of Christ, right? Disciples of Christ do what? They make disciples of Christ. And so we're called to be those that learn. I'm on on a quest on 2015 to really learn more on how to become someone that helps another person become a Christian, on how to become, help another person grow and mature in their faith. But you know what? It requires humility to learn from somebody else. I'm really grateful to have the people around me that, you know, in, in some ways have greater skills than I in terms of relationships, in terms of reaching out to people in different ways, but it really requires for me to decide, I want to learn how to be a better fisher of men. I want to have a purpose that really is eternal. One of the biggest reasons that I'm a minister today is that one day, one one month, I studied the Bible with a man. His name was Roberto. Roberto was very hungry to study the Bible. When Roberto became a Christian, within a couple of weeks, we were very excited. But what was very sobering was that three days later, he died. He was found at Harvard University dead. That same month, I was working for IBM, and I sold three computers. They cost more than a million dollars. My commission was pretty significant. I compared at the end of the month my two accomplishments. My being involved in the salvation of a man and my selling computers that would gain me a pretty good commission. When I look at it from the eternal perspective, what do you think? Does it compare? One day... I will die. I know that. You know that? And when I die, my buddy Roberto's waiting there for me. The guys who I sold the computers to, so what's my purpose? If you're in school, yes, you're in school, study. But as you study, understand that you've got a much greater purpose than that. You're there to help other people get to know God. If you're working, you're working. Be the greatest employee you can be. But understand that you have a much greater purpose than just working and making money. If you're a father or mother, be the greatest father or mother. But beyond that, understand there's a greater purpose in helping those kids become those disciples that God wants them to be. Because you know what? I rejoice in the family I've got today. But my greatest vision and joy for that family is to see them on the other side and to make sure we are one with Christ there. Then my purpose will have been accomplished. Amen? 
Your life and relationships have an eternal purpose. I can't speak. And finally, his attitude. The Beatitudes have always been a scripture that have baffled me in Matthew 5. But reading it in the New Living Translation has helped me understand this. God blesses. Let's say it together. God blesses. Ah, that was like weak. On three. One, two, three. God blesses. That's the message. What did Jesus walk around telling people? God blesses. But do you believe it? Do you convey it? Do you walk around with a spirit of God blesses? Or is it God blesses with this cloud over the head? I think as Christians, you know, it was a joy seeing our brothers here share before me who have 30-some years in the faith and can see God blesses. Who maybe at first we were like, does he really? But now we've got to speak with a conviction that we've seen it. We've seen what he's done. We've seen what he's done in our own lives. We've seen what he's done in people around us. And he blesses. One of the joys of not seeing you over time is that when I see you again, I go, wow. Who would have thought? Look what God's done in your life. But you know, in the moment, we lose it. Because we get so wrapped up in our issues, our problems, or whatever is going on. But when you see it over time, you realize, wow, does he bless. And so if I'm going to be somebody that really has him as my goal, it's got to be flowing out of me that God blesses. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And here's a little treasure I want to share with you. You read through these, and you'll see the process that any person has to go through on the way to becoming a faithful man of God. Everyone. You come into the church for the first time, and maybe this is going on in your life right now. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. The first step that you're going to have to go through is realize, I need him. I'm poor in spirit. There's not enough of me. I need change. I need help. The person that comes to God with that spirit, boom. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. God's ready to give you everything. It says, God blesses those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Along the process of you studying the Bible, you will face your own sin, your own life. You'll see the cross and what God did for you. And in that process, there'll be a mourning step of you just getting broken and realizing, I don't deserve what's in front of me. And so he'll comfort you. He says, God blesses those who are humble. Because in the process of you becoming a man of God, there's got to be a stage of lowering the guard of that pride that so much controls us and us letting him be God and us be just human beings. And so when we're humble, he says, they'll inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are hunger and thirsty for righteous, for justice, for they will be satisfied. And it's when somebody is hungry that just can't get enough of his word, can't get enough of the truth, can't get enough of Christianity, that then he gets fed. That process 
every one of us has gone through or will have to go through. But the reality is we have to go through it again and again and again. And if so, our attitude will be his, an attitude of, wow, God really does bless. And so in closing, my goal is him. 2015, what's your goal? My goal is him. You know, as I've uh, set this goal, I've seen so much more how much I need to change. As I mentioned at the beginning, I had my uh, to-be son-in-law come up to meet the family. And it was an amazing time. My brother-in-laws all questioned him to no end. It was great. No, it was fun. But you know, one of the nights, we had a family dinner. And in the family dinner, I corrected my daughter Diana about Dakota in front of the whole family. And at the time, I thought that was fine. But as I went into the study about my goal is him, I thought, he wouldn't do that. And so I've had to go back and apologize because my goal is him. You know, my goal is not me. My goal is him. And if my goal is him, there's a lot, a lot that I have to grow to become what he wants me to be. That excites me. And I want to encourage you to be that hungry. Because I'm passionate about this. 31 years in the faith that I feel like a kid. Like, I've got a lot to grow. Is your goal him? Is his focus your focus? Is his food your food? Are his views your views? Is really his purpose your purpose? And do you walk around with his attitude that says, God bless us? You live in a very blessed place with a lot of people that need to know about our God and how he blesses. I encourage you to, let's devote 2015 to making it our goal to be more like him and less like ourselves. Pray with me. God, who are we to be able to talk to you? The creator of the universe, he who is perfect, the beginning and the end, he who knows our hearts and knows our thoughts, Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to call you Father. We thank you so much for putting on earth your son as an amazing example. We're called so high as looking at his character, his focus, his purpose. And we thank you, God, that in him we find reason, we find clarity, we find direction. I pray, Father, for everybody that is here today that we can really set 2015 and to make it a goal for us to be more like him and less like ourselves. I pray, Father, that the whole community here will see the impact of this church because we want to bring you 
closer to them, or really them closer to you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, for all that these relationships have meant for each one of us over the years. Thank you for how faithful you've shown yourself. Thank you for the many, many blessings in our lives. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the opportunity to seek him out. I pray, God, that we'll seek him in your word and in our relationships and through your spirit like we never have before. Thank you for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.